The Book of Job, one of the most misunderstood books I think I've ever read or I've heard about in the Bible, and we are tackling it right here on the Red River Rising. I'm so glad you joined us today. I'm Pastor Mike, as always, with uh, my brother Rick here, the author, the master writer in the house, looking at Book of Job as he's breaking it down here. We've been going through several different lessons, and today we're going to get into the Chapter 2 piece of it. Now, Rick, uh, get us started today. All right, we're going to start off Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. So here uh, is a repeat of what happened in chapter 1. Right. Okay. And again, you know, we often misunderstand this verse because we think God's asking an honest question to gain knowledge. Right. You know, it's not an inquisitive statement. Well, he wouldn't be an all-knowing God then, would he? Right. <laughs> See, so he already knew what Satan was up to. It's hard to be perfect and not make mistakes if you don't know everything. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. So God already knew what Satan was up to, and but he, he asked him a rhetorical question to... Um, confront him and hold him accountable for you know the wicked desires in his heart every parent knows this this play right here Mm -hmm. because every parent has done it did you get a cookie out of the cookie jar right (laughs) no one as they got chocolate all over their mouth right you know crumbs all over their hands you know (laughs) seeing and and putting them in the corner now to have accountability and ownership of it right right so yeah we every parent knows this rule right (laughs) and so you know god did the same thing uh he said from where do you come you know it could you know we often look at it like this uh satan from where do you come you know that's very inquisitive the 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 inflection and the way it said is very in, inquisitive but in reality it was more like satan where do you come yeah you know it was more of a of a uh uh admonishment or accountability mm-hmm. you know and like yeah. you said you know like what have you been up to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. hey satan what have you been up to yeah yeah and, right. and knowing the answer and knowing the answer that's yeah. right and uh, once again, Satan gives a half truth. He says, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And we have that New Testament scripture that says, you know, our adversary yeah. roams as a, as a lo- roaring lion seeking yeah. whom he may devour. That's right. So, you know, Satan had no problem saying, oh, I'm roaming around, you know, just seeing what's going on. He left out the part about seeking whom he, he may devour. Right. And God knew exactly who he set his heart on. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, God's holding Satan accountable here with these rhetorical questions, mm-hmm. okay? And verse 3 is a, is another verse that's very uh causes a lot of misunderstanding the way it's written. And it says, "Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incite me against him to destroy him without cause." Okay, now the way I read it is predominantly the way that causes confusion because it sounds like God's bringing Job again to Satan's attention. Right. You know, he's calling out Job. He's signaling him out. He's shining a, a big spotlight on him. Okay. But that's not what happened. Again, it's a rhetorical question. You know, God isn't really saying, Oh, have you considered my servant Job during your travels? You know, he's such a great righteous guy. No, he's saying, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, he's charging him 
with the question and he wants an answer from him. Um, and then also it says, uh, and still he holds fast to integrity, although you incited me against him. Satan tried to incite God against him. Okay. He didn't actually succeed in that because God refused to raise his hand against Satan. Right. I mean, against Job. Yep. You know, he said he's done nothing wrong, but he simply told the truth to Satan. But behold, look, everything that he has is in your hands yep. because Job feared over his possessions. You know, we talked about this. That's Part right. of Job's character was he worried a lot yeah. and he, and he feared. And we're going to cover this, you know, th- that verse is in, in chapter three, mm-hmm. you know, um, but Job feared that things would happen to him and they came to pass. Okay. So, uh, that's what's going on here. Um, Satan has roamed around the world. He set his heart on devouring Job because Job is a, a very, you know, one of the most righteous men on the earth. Right. And so if he could destroy Job, that would be a great victory for Satan. Absolutely. And God knew knew this and was confronting Satan about it. Yeah. Now, concerning verse 3, um, the Benson commentary, the Barnes notes on the Bible, and Gill's exposition of the entire Bible say that a better translation of verse 3 would read like this. You have set your heart on my servant Job to devour him, since there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Despite your destruction of his property, he still holds fast to his integrity. And yet you still try to incite me to destroy him without justification. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, I think if the King James experts had translated it like, interpreted it and translated it like that, There'd be a lot less confusion about the book of Job and a lot less confusion about God's loving character. Mm-hmm. You know, for years, the book of Job troubled me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if God would do that to Job, what chance do I have? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not even close to the, to the goodness of Job. Yeah. I mean, basically, if you take the first two words of verse three and you invert them, so instead of saying, have you considered? To saying you have considered, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's it's a done deal now because uh, the the exclam or the the question mark there is our English uh, punctuation as well with that, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there are times when you know interpretations of the word um, is is not accurate for the timing of the interpretation. Yeah, you right. know, maybe back four hundred years ago when they translated the King James Bible, yeah. that made perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. But today we perceive, perceive the that's English right. language a lot different. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the revisions are made to translations of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, several of them have gone through that. All the way up to the New King James Version, which was really, you mm-hmm. know, just back in what the 60s or 70s, I think is when they started that yeah. uh, translation for that one. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you, you've got to be open-minded when you look at these things. It still doesn't negate the word. Doesn't change the word; it just changes the perception of what the word is. Right. See, God's word is flawless and true. Yeah. Okay, but our perception of it is what's flawed, yeah. Yeah. and it really, it really pleases Satan when we start arguing among ourselves and and yeah. throwing accusations at one another because we have these different perceptions of God's word. And of course, we're not basing God's um, attributes or characteristics just off of this. We take what we see here. And we apply it against everything else that's in the Bible to right. show the complete picture. We're not exactly. just, we're not scalping out one little section and saying, well, this must be how God is because this interpretation came up with this. Right. We look at, does this match up against all the other mm-hmm. information that we have in the Bible? Right. And it, and it doesn't, which gives us a clearer picture then of that, this interpretation. That's what drives biblical scholars back to look at, you know, words 
and uh, grammatical uh, translations of these things, both in, in Hebrew, obviously, is what this was com- coming out of, yeah. to make sure that when it's you know transposed over into a, a modern language that it carries the same meaning with it. So. Right. Anyway, continue on, Rick. Okay. Um, so God said here, and, and yet you still try to incite me to destroy him without justification. And that word incite is the same word used in the Bible when it describes Jezebel inciting Ahab to do evil. Stirring the pot. Stirring the pot, prodding him. Yeah. You know, poking him. And, but see, unlike Ahab, God can't be provoked. He can't be prodded. He can't be manipulated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so Satan was unsuccessful in his attempt. Now, I, I had mentioned three references, and I just want to cover the uh, background of those. Um, the Benson Commentary was written by Reverend Joseph Benson. He was a Methodist minister in England in the 1700s. He was a classical master at the Kingswood School, and he specialized in philosophy and theology. Uh, Reverend Albert Barnes was a Presbyterian minister and American theologian in the 1800s. And he graduated from the Hamilton College and Princeton Theological Cemetery. Seminary, sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> Seminary. And uh, Reverend John Gill, he was an English Baptist pastor and biblical scholar in the 1700s. And he held an honorary degree from the of Doctor of Divinity. So we see uh, the three references that we use are were from uh, godly men, ministers, uh, they spent their whole lives studying the Bible, and they're from three different denominations and different uh, time periods. So it's it's interesting, you know, that kind of lends more credibility to the reference because, right. you know, they weren't all from the same area or same denomination, same school of thought, same time period. Right. You know, where we're believing this would be a fad or something like sure. that. Um, so those are the three references when I was researching this that uh, – Thank the Holy Spirit led me to because, you know, I never heard of these guys. Right. And when I was doing the research on, on that particular verse, uh, you know, I discovered this. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was quite amazing because it really cleared up a lot of confusion for me. Yeah. You know, cause again, you know, the book of Job was very confusing for me for years. Sure. It troubled me. You know, the, the way I read it and proceeded, I said, that just can't be right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, I, I'm just thrilled to death that the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to, to do this. Uh, series. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad it did too, because you're right. And I'm sure it's cleared up some thoughts for you out there or anyone else has actually read the the book of Job. Prior to this series that, uh, uh, you know, we got into here, you think of Job, all you think is suffering and God. Yeah. And, and they're linked in, you know, one, yeah. one with the other. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really that's the suffering piece is there, but, but, how it's attributed to God is, is incorrect. Right. You know, so. when the Bible talks about, you know, count yourself blessed when you're suffering for God, mm-hmm. it's not because God is putting it on you. Right. It's because this wicked world, That's right. which is at odds with God, well, is putting it on you. Well, think about it this way. If you, if you believe in heaven and you believe that there's no sorrow, no pain, no suffering in heaven. So if you believe none of those things are there, but God is those things, isn't that kind of contradictory? Mm-hmm. Is God in heaven? Yep. Yeah. So if you're telling me that God created all this negativity and he creates all this to put it on you, mm. but you believe that heaven is going to be free of all those things. Yeah. You're kind of contradicting yourself. Right. And, you know, back in Genesis, it said uh, all that God created was good. That's right. That's exactly you know, right. And, and then, you know, everything started going bad when man sinned That's right. and disobeyed God. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. 
We didn't have the moral authority to go against God, but we did have the legal authority to mm-hmm. go against God when he gave us free will. Yep. And uh, that's where evil, it, that's where evil is born in, mm-hmm. it, is in that, you know, the, that, and, and of course it go back to Satan and pride that he made a choice, not, not a moral, uh, you know, a choice, but, uh, he had the same legality that we did. He, he got to make the wrong choice mm-hmm. and boy, it, it, it's all humanity has suffered for it. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, but this has been uh, great, Rick. Yeah. I think we cleared up a lot just in yeah. that one little area there. And then finally, the, the, I just want to point out that the, the new living translation Bible says, um, in that last part of the verse, it reads, you still urge me to harm him without cause. Okay, so, you know, again, I want to emphasize that it's Satan trying to manipulate God into harming Job, and God is refusing because Job hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. Okay, and, and you know, for years and years and, and probably millions of Christians just have perceived it otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, that's it for today. Uh, we're going to move on into the conversation that satan continues to have with god but to find that out you'll have to join us next time but until then prepare your heart for the coming revival amen brother